Hello and welcome to Objective Health. I'm your host, Tip, and joining me today is Doug. Hello. So it's just the two of us today. Last week was the bro show, so I guess this can be the, the mixed company show. <laughs> <laughs> mixed company show, yeah. So for our show today, we are going to be discussing ADHD and ADD. However, we will just be calling it ADHD because it's all-encompassing, and so we don't have to keep saying ADHD and ADD all the time. Exactly. We'll just say ADHD, which, by the way, uh, if you look at our title, I think we're going to be taking the angle that it is a scam. A scam. (laughs) Yeah, it really does seem that way. Yeah. So like uh, many other psychiatric diagnoses, I'm ashamed to admit, or sad to admit, um, it is just like a grouping of symptoms that um, psychiatrists, psychologists come up with. And if you meet certain criteria, then you are diagnosed with a certain mental disorder. So like other mental disorders, there is no definitive test, there are no blood tests, there are no CAT scans, brain scans, MRIs, or anything that will definitely tell you that you suffer from X, Y, or Z diagnosis. So ADD or ADHD fits into that category. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, How many millions of people are diagnosed with ADHD? Currently, I think, well, it's, it le- it's like one in seven kids in the U.S. <clears throat> and the U.S. is kind of predominantly where this is happening. I'm sure other Western countries yeah. like Canada, maybe Australia or something, the U.K. Um, but actually, many European countries aren't. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't really, I don't know if they don't recognize it, but they aren't certainly doing things to the same extent that the U S does where they just kind of like give the diagnosis and throw the kids on meds. Um, Mm -hmm. they, you know, if a kid has, uh, attention problems or misbehaving problems and they have other ways of dealing with it, not medicate them into a zombie state, you know, like France, for example. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, their uh, diagnosis rate for ADHD is less than 0.5%. So unlike uh, American doctors, they don't consider ADHD a biological disorder that has some kind of biological underpinnings, but they say that it is caused by psychosocial and situational factors, mm-hmm. and they use psychotherapy and family counseling. And surprisingly, they also look at diet, which we do wow. not do here in the U.S., so it's yeah. an entirely different paradigm of diagnosis and treatment over there versus in the United States. But yeah. before we get too far into differences and how much of a scam we, it is, first we should probably turn to the Bible of Psychiatry, mm. the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, and it's the fifth edition. So this is the book the big book that psychiatrists and psychologists use to diagnose people with mental disorders. Mm -hmm. So I went to the CDC's website. I actually don't have my own copy of the DSM-5. 
I think I had an older copy. You had I one, used wow. to like to, Yeah, I used to like to read it for fun. But Really? That's entertainment? Yeah. Friday night? <laughs> yeah. Give a it flip through the DSM? <laughs> the glass of sherry and big <laughs> DSM. Okay, so this is a criteria for ADHD. Well, hold on a second. Damien, I think we've got that CDC article, don't we? In yeah. The, I think that was uh, put up on, on the chat. So, yeah, there it is. Yeah, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So inattention is the first category. You have to have six or more symptoms of inattention uh, for kids up to age 16, blah, 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 five or more for adolescents. And of course, you don't have to be a child to be diagnosed with ADHD. Older adults uh, are diagnosed as well, but it's more prevalent in children. So these symptoms have to have been present for at least six months and they have to uh, be considered inappropriate. So the, uh, the person fails to give close attention to details, makes careless mistakes in schoolwork at work or with other activities. They have trouble holding attention. They don't seem to listen when they're spoken to directly. They have trouble following through on instructions. They have trouble organizing themselves to complete tasks. They, avoid doing tasks that require mental effort. They lose things for their tasks. Uh, they're easily distracted and they're forgetful in daily activities. This sounds like a kid. Uh, uh, yeah. A typical <laughs> child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, I guess we should maybe, well, maybe we'll get into this later, but I just wanted to maybe clarify that it's like, it's not that we're denying that these kind of symptoms exist and that in yeah. certain kids there, they might be quite extreme uh, and mm -hmm. there might be something kind of going on there. It's more just um, the idea that this is a disease or a disorder yes, that, needs to be, that needs to be drugged. Right. Especially. Right. Right. And I mean, essentially, like you were saying, Tiff, I mean, the DSM is kind of like it's it, once something is in there, then it, it's like you don't look for um, what might actually be causing the problem. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, no, mm -hmm. you have this condition. So that's, that's it. It's like, once you're diagnosed, it's like, you don't look for causes of these things. It's just, you have a chemical imbalance or your brain doesn't work for whatever reason you have this condition. And the only mm -hmm. option, I mean, sometimes they'll do like, you know, behavioral therapy or psychotherapy or something like that. But more often than not, it's just the, the only solution is medication. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's one of the reasons why um, it's kind of problematic uh, to have these symptoms, which are so vague. And so, mm -hmm. like, like you said, I mean, this sounds like any kid, right? Doesn't, yeah. you know, th doesn't pay attention when being talked to. Like, you know, I never paid attention to my parents when they were talking to me. <laughs> I would I'd be playing video games or something like that, like easily distracted. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know anybody who's not easily distracted these days, to be perfectly honest, with the phones in the pockets. Right. Well, they do say that it has to interfere with functioning and development. But right. of course it does. If you're distracting, of course, if you're distracted, of course, it's going to interfere with your functioning. Anyway, so <laughs> let's move on to hyperactivity and impulsivity. So they, the person has to have had six or more symptoms of this. 
uh, if they're under age 16, five or more, if you're 17 and up, has to have been present for six months. So this person will fidget or tap their hands and feet or squirm and see. They leave their seat. This is starting to sound like what teachers don't like kids to do when they're in school. Yeah. So yeah. they often leave their seat in situations when remaining seated is expected. They run about or climb in situations where it's not appropriate. They cannot play or take part in leisure activities quietly. They're on the go, acting like they're driven by a motor. They talk excessively. They blurt out an answer. They have trouble waiting their turn interrupts or intrudes on others yeah again sounds like a kid like yeah. like honestly it i mean it's i mean i guess having that kind of caveat that it does have to kind of interfere with their normal kind of functioning or, or whatever however mm-hmm. it was worded i guess helps but honestly like this sounds like a kid after he's drank a coke or something or had a chocolate bar <laughs> like Honestly, like this sounds like like go to a kid's like sleepover party and and tell me that you're not going to see this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so there are some um, more conditions for this. They have to have had several uh, inattentive or hyperactive symptoms before the age of twelve. They have to be present in two or more settings. It can't just be at school. So it has to be at home or at school or with friends and relatives and in other activities. And there has to be clear evidence that these symptoms interfere with uh, school or social life. And the symptoms are not better explained by some other mental disorder. Right. So again, this is all very broad. These are symptoms. I'm using air quotes here, but (laughs) these are behaviors that all children have, that all people have at some point or another, but especially children depending on their age. Like this is what all kids do at various parts of times in, in their development. So to classify this as something that is problematic is kind of scary and i'd say the scariest part of this is that a lot of these uh diagnoses or recommendations to see a doctor comes from the teacher so you have yeah student in school who has trouble you know paying attention they're squirming around in their seats or whatever maybe they're talking out of turn and kind of disrupting the classroom so the teacher will come up with oh this kid probably has ADHD yeah. because it's, it's so widespread now. It's like, okay, so this person who has no mental health or medical training can just say, okay, let's bring these parents in and let's meet with the principal and the guidance counselor and get this kid to see a psychiatrist. And of course the psychiatrist is going to medicate him because that's what they expect. And that's what the teachers want them to do so they can have more control of their classroom and finish their lessons and not be bothered with a kid who is kind of an outlier. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, it is disturbing because it is in the teacher's best interest. Like, you know, all the things that we would maybe consider to be, you know, good about a kid to be kind of expressive and to um, be creative, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like all these things that could have kind of a good spin are not things that a teacher is necessarily going to value when they, what they want is an orderly class. 
They want their job mm-hmm. to be easier. They want, um, you know, kids who are, are well-behaved, aren't going to speak out of turn, aren't going to get up from their chair, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, obviously, like, <clears throat> in order to teach the class, you need to have a certain amount of order. And there are certain levels that shouldn't be kind of deviated from. Um, but it seems to be kind of in the teacher's best interest to get as many of these kids drugged as possible. Because mm-hmm. if you get, if you can just put them on pills and suddenly they're going to, that's going to make your job easier because you're not de- dealing with misbehaving kids, then, you know, it, it kind of, it makes sense that that's going to be something that they would actually want. Now, I mean, any teacher with a conscience obviously isn't going to be like, yeah, I want to get all my kids drugged, but you know, teachers, ha- and I'm not like necessarily coming down on teachers because I know they got a very difficult job, especially these days, um, with a very distracted generation, um, so they've got a tough job and, you know, the overcrowded classrooms, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's very difficult for them. So I can see, you know, why this kind of thing might come about. And I could kind of see it from, from several angles here, but at the same time, it's like the teacher shouldn't be deciding that these kids have ADHD and then they talk to the principal and then they get a, a, a you know, a doctor to come in to observe. And, you know, next thing you know, the kids are on medication. Um, mm-hmm it kind of seems like it should be, you know, if the, if the teacher thinks that there's a problem, like an actual problem, they shouldn't be like, have all the ready in their mind, like, yes, this is ADHD, so we need to get this kid medicated. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the, the first thing they should be thinking about, you know, what can I do to make little Johnny, you know, enjoy his lessons more? Or yeah. is there something going on at home that the child is distracted? about uh is he hungry is he sleepy is he getting enough sleep at night you know all sorts of things should be going through these teachers minds before they automatically jump on the adhd bandwagon and start medicating i agree there's actually um a harvard psychologist named jerome kagan who has been outspoken about the um the adhd scam although i don't know i'm not putting words in his mouth here, but it's basically just shorthand for, he's been outspoken about um, the overdiagnosis of ADHD um, or any diagnosis at all, really. Um, And he said, uh, he had kind of a good point, so I'll just read it here. He said, let's go back 50 years. We have a seven-year-old who is bored in school and disrupts classes. Back then he was called lazy. Today he is said to suffer from ADHD. Every child who's not doing well in school is sent to see a pediatrician, and that pediatrician says, it's ADHD, here's Ridlin. Uh, In fact, 90% of these 5.4 million kids don't have an abnormal dopamine metabolism. The problem is, if a drug is available to doctors, they'll make make the corresponding diagnosis. Which, yeah, I guess that 5.4 million, that got your answer from the beginning of the show there, if how many uh-huh. kids are on uh, on ADHD medications. And I think he oh. makes a very good point here. He said, you know, 90% of these 5.4 million kids don't have abnormal dopamine metabolism. So in other words, there is not a physical um, correlation to the symptoms that they know of, right? Mm-hmm. So, so to put them on medication that's going to regulate dopamine when there is no abnormal dopamine metabolism... I mean, that's basically like medicating people who don't need it. Yeah. Yeah, there's no dopamine test. There's no uh, standard dopamine level that they're comparing 
these kids dopamine levels too it's just basically guesswork just like most of or should i say all of psychiatry (laughs) (laughs) anyways so um like in france we were talking about in france before they uh look at psychosocial aspects to this and i think that a lot of it could be uh, not just being distracted by phones, but mm. if you look at the, the family structure, I mean, not saying that some of these symptoms can't be problematic because we all know kids who are just badasses and they, yeah. <laughs> they just have no control over their own behavior. But I'm not going to assume that something is wrong with their brain or their dopamine level. I always wonder, like, what are their parents doing? Like, what kind of parenting, do they have any discipline at home? Is there a father in the house? Like, especially with little boys, like they need a male figure, a father figure in the house. The father enforces rule. He helps uh, children delay gratification. He helps them control themselves. And, you know, he's a disciplinarian. If their father's not there. It's not surprising that some of these kids, especially boys, because they get the most of these diagnoses, that they, you know, act up in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I actually think that in many cases, I'm not going to say like all cases, um, but I think that there is actually an issue that the kid has never really been taught to um, any, any self-discipline, essentially. Like, you know, it's kind of like if a kid is, is spoiled, you know, where, you know, they are treated like a little prince and um, everything that they want, they get. Um, they aren't, you know, given chores or anything like that, things that they have to do. It's like they don't have any reason to develop that ability to kind of delay gratification, um, hold back on actions um and actually assess the situation like it's kind of like they've been put in this environment where anything they want they instantly get so it's just this instant gratification kind of thing and you know i think the the video games and the phone certainly don't help with this either but it's kind of like they haven't been been taught that ability to kind of um not act on every impulse um and i think yeah, and if they're the they're the center of attention at home. It's not surprising that they would expect the same treatment in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, if they're given 80% of the attention in the, in the home and then all of a sudden they're in school and they're getting like, you know, 2% of the attention, it's like, yeah, they're going to freak out and they're going to start doing things like acting out in ways that, that gets them that attention. I like, I'll, I'll say again, I don't think that this is the entire picture. But I certainly yeah. think that it might have something to do with it. I but again, it's, it's not a druggable mental health no. condition. No, <laughs> exactly. Like, it doesn't matter how many drugs you put them on. It's, it, that, that's not going to help them at all. Mm. And yeah. another, another aspect of this is the, the gifted children or the kids who mm-hmm. learn faster than their peers. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they're just bored. They can't just sit still. They need more stimulation. They need the lesson to be quicker. They need more input into what they're learning. They can't just sit there while the teacher just drones on and on and on. Yeah. And these kids don't have really have any trouble with their grades. They get good grades in class. It's just that 
they are staring out the window daydreaming when they're not paying attention because they're just bored as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's not a disorder. (laughs) (laughs) Like those kids should be put in a more stimulating learning environment. You know, Mm -hmm. they're bored. Yeah. But maybe we should go, because we've got a couple of clips from a movie called Farm Abuse. And when you say it out loud, it sounds like farm abuse, like abuse that's happening on a farm. But it's pharma as in like big pharma, like as in pharmaceutical. And it's farm abuse. Um, It came out about five years ago. You can find it on YouTube. Um, But there was one, because we've kind of been talking about the drugs here. And the reason that we're so kind of feeling that putting these kids on drugs is so egregious is because the drugs are actually quite horrible. So... yeah. Damien, why so what do, we, what do we have? Hmm? Like Ritalin, Adderall, and yeah. Serta. What's uh, the one? There's one that starts with a V too. Vivance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 So those are the major ones. Right. Okay. Yeah, let's go with the clip. But there's a clip. Um, it's called uh, Damien. It's called what? The, what the drugs actually do. Starts at ADHD 2553. is not a diagnosis in itself, but is a basket of symptoms. You have to reach what's called steady state. In pharmacology, it means that the multiple doses build on each other, and then it becomes a consistent blood level. And for different drugs, that takes different amounts of time. So sometimes they might not even be getting the full effect of the medicine when they actually have their follow-up visit. It's like an art of trying to experiment with the children while you try to figure out what's tailor-made for this child, a regimen of medication that will fix the problem. Some kind of experiments. It's like our kids are lab rats, guinea pigs. They'll do that to chimpanzees. You know, chimps are like little kids. They want to play. They want to run around. They want to groom. They laugh. They hug. They get into little tiffs. And if you give chimpanzees uh, the uh, regular amphetamine and uh, Ritalin-like drugs, the chimps stop doing things. They even stop trying to escape their cages. And then they get what's called stereotypical behavior. They just persist in some obsessive, uh, useless activity like gnawing on bars or playing with a pebble or staring into space. And that's what the drugs do to our children. You know, if you think about the chimps again, where, you know, the chimp who is on these drugs looks like he doesn't mind being penned up. And in effect, we're creating good little caged children. What the drugs do, very straightforwardly, is they suppress all spontaneous behavior. All the ADHD drugs, Ritalin um, and the amphetamines like Dexedrine, They actually crush the natural, imaginative, spontaneous activity of the child. First, they suppress the spontaneous behavior. Then they enforce obsessive behaviors. So in a classroom, if a kid stops some of his behaviors that are annoying the teacher, like talking to the girl next to him or poking the guy next to him, 
then it's seen as an improvement by the teacher, but it's actually a crushing of spontaneous behavior. Then when the little boy, it's usually a boy, starts copying off the board finally, the teacher thinks, oh, look, he's learning, he's copying off the board, but he's actually become obsessively obedient. He's not learning anything. And uh, the one study that took a real good look at this out of NIMH said that, yeah, half half the kids are getting OCD, basically, obsessive-compulsive disorder. And if you look at how they write on the paper, they're tearing the paper, they're bearing down. It's an abnormal behavior. So the drugs produce a series of abnormalities which uh, harassed parents who are having trouble raising a boy or teachers who are having trouble controlling a classroom like. Those adverse effects are the crushing of spontaneous behavior and the enforcing of obsessive-compulsive behavior. The teachers don't notice that a lot of other behaviors are disappearing, that the child's less social, the child cares less, the child looks a little fatigued and a little depressed. What they notice is the target behaviors. Yeah, he's talking less, he's interrupting less, he's actually less spontaneous and, in a sense, less alive. Just because a kid is on meds does not mean he's going to sit still and turn all his assignments in on time. What I have noticed is that they become more quiet, more subdued, and their spirit has gone out of them. I see people all the time, since I see them in referral, and the children come in with the idea that I took this medicine, it didn't help me, I'm just dumb, and now I've got some baggage to deal with because of the failure of the medicine that they were told is going to take care of their problem. So, uh, there you go. That's pretty sad. Yeah. So these drugs are basically crushing their spirits. Yeah. Crushing spontaneous know, behavior. Yeah. What was that educator? Was that, uh, what's his name? The Miss Education of America. I forget what his name is. He said, um, he met so many interesting, really young children, like before they started school and like in the first phases of their starting school. Then he met them again, like when they were 11 or 12, been in school for a few years and their spirits were just crushed. Like they were lacking in creativity and spontaneity. And these are kids that weren't even drunk. Yeah. And just imagine like if school itself does that to kids, you put them in school and you drug them on top of that. That is, oh, yeah. that's, well, it's like if school itself doesn't get them there, then they've got medication to push the push them over the edge, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's actually really scary. I mean, essentially, they're like um, you're turning kids into zombies. Like all their spirit is gone, all their spontaneous behavior, obsessively obedient, is the term mm-hmm. the guy used. Like, you know, that's like just little Stepford children. Yeah, that's what. Oh. And not only that, I mean, the drugs have, you know, physical side effects. They said after three years of taking Ritalin, children were about an inch shorter and about four and a half pounds lighter than kids of the same age. Really? So, yeah, that's one of the drugs where it, it's an appetite suppressant and it stunts their growth. No kidding. So, yeah, and, you know, the side effects are bad. Uh, insomnia, so often the kids are like, prescribe something to help them sleep. Um, you can get seizures, uh, GI upset, 
Um, some kids have hallucinated. Um, I think there was a clip in the movie where I think this, uh, he wasn't a very young kid. Maybe he was a teenager, but he was screaming and screaming and looking out of the window because he was convinced that someone was trying to break into the house. Yeah. And they have, yeah, they have to call the police. Yeah. 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 Weight loss, blood pressure issues. And not only that, um, it kind of serves as a gateway drug to other, you know, antipsychotic medications. It basically puts people on a path to being a lifelong mental patient. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's also um, a gateway to like harder drugs as well, because mm-hmm. it kind of gives you, you know, if you're, if your brain's been like loaded on stimulants for your entire youth, it's kind of like, well, once you kind of get older, maybe you'll start looking for other stimulants like cocaine, mm-hmm. meth, crack, those sorts yeah. of things. But yeah, and, and what also, if you, sorry, go ahead. What if you miss a dose? You know, you can go through, start going through withdrawal symptoms because Adderall, for example, will stay in your system for a few hours. Mm. So you have to like dose every few hours. And if you don't, you can start getting nausea, chills, diarrhea body aches and pains. So you're, you're basically turning your child into a drug, drug, yeah. you know, whether adults choose to take this drug or not, and you know, it's up to them, but doing this to a child is just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And one also, um, kind of ironic thing. One of the, um, one of the side effects they list for I'm I'm not sure which ADHD drug this is, but apparently one of the side effects is hyperactivity, uh-huh. which is hilarious yeah. because it's supposed to be treating hyperactivity. Yeah. yeah, I think that might be Ritalin. So basically, you're giving your kid speed, and yeah. speed has an opposite effect when you're a child. So yeah. it kind of uh, calms you down and suppresses your behavior. The thing is that these meds. I mean, if you want to use work, uh, I guess you could say that. Um, but like the the man said in the video clip we just watched, it just suppresses spontaneous behavior. So they're not really learning anything more. They're just drugged. And yeah. they basically don't have a choice but to sit there because they don't yeah. have the motivation to actually get up and run around. And obsessively, compulsively, you know, taking notes. It's like, that's, uh-huh. that's not the same thing as learning. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of crazy. So, so it's not just the little kids, of course. Um, college kids are using it. Uh, college kids, I guess Adderall has become like almost as popular as marijuana on college campuses. Yeah. Apparently it is seen as a super study drug it helps you concentrate helps you focus and cram for a big test or like if you have to write a paper so there's a really big market for you know maybe there are some kids who or some college students who have been on adhd drugs uh for years uh since they were in middle school or high school or something they get into college and they're still on those drugs and they see that there's a market for it so they can sell it to yeah. their peers or people just, you know, 
look up certain catchphrases or certain symptoms that they can claim that they have mm-hmm. and go to a doctor and say, oh, I have this, this, and that symptom, and I think I have ADHD. Yeah. And doctors pretty much have their prescription pads on their desk. I mean, when somebody comes in, they're expecting to get a prescription, and they get one nine yeah. times out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, the the, the kids know exactly what to say to get the, uh, you know, it's basically they probably like go online and find uh, exactly what's written in the DSM. So they copy out those symptoms, memorize them, go into the doctor and say, I've got this, this and this, like you just said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <clears throat> half the time they probably go in there and say, um, you know, I want Adderall. And, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, a, a lot of the doctors out there are basically just pill dispensers. You know, people see the ad for a pharmaceutical on TV and they come in and say, I want that one. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, let me just write you a script then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so like, yeah, there's black market. There's like going to kind of shady doctors and all that kind of stuff and getting getting these pills. But the question is, does it actually help them? Not I don't think it does. Term, no. No. Well, there's... Um, a woman, I think she was a woman, she wrote an article about her struggle with getting off of Adderall. Uh, I think she started taking it when she was in college. So she was uh, buying it from friends. And she said at first, you know, she took it, it was great. She was able to concentrate and, you know, spend hours and hours reading books on philosophy. And she felt like she understood the material at first. But then after a while, she was late with all of her assignments. Uh, she mm. couldn't keep up with her, her work and she had trouble concentrating. So yeah, short term it works, but nothing, there's no magic pill for anything. I mean, no. if you really want to learn or to you know, advance, you have to put in work. Yeah, exactly. Which kind of gets back to the same thing we were saying before about these kids who have never really been taught, well, like self-discipline or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's like they want... A magic pill to make it so that they can study you know yeah. instead of actually just putting in the hard work not just being like okay i realize that studying is actually quite difficult and i'm gonna have to do it and buckle down and like do some work here it's like mm-hmm. they they just don't have that kind of self drive to actually yeah. you know try and try and work at it yeah or they might think oh um maybe this dose isn't working for me anymore so they'll go back to the doctor and maybe they'll get a higher dose. Mm-hmm. And once they can't go up on the drug anymore, they might switch the drug. And then it just mm-hmm. starts this whole vicious cycle of increasing the dose and switching drugs. And it's just a, a real shit show. Yeah. And then they end up totally addicted. Adderall is quite addictive. Mm-hmm. I understand it. So then, yeah, you've basically ruined your life essentially at that point. Yeah. I think that a big mistake that a lot of people make is, you know, not just in the situation with ADHD, but when all situations, like when it comes to health, people see their doctors as gods and they see pills as magic. It's kind of like a religion, really. So they have high hopes that their problems would be solved by taking this pill. The doctor knows everything. And if the doctor with all of his education tells me that this prescription is going to help me, then it must help me. But I think that that is a real problem when it comes to 
people's help. They put too much faith in outside uh, resources and don't put enough reliance on themselves and their own hard work and their own research. Absolutely. But I guess I'm not to say that I'm actually blaming the person for doing that because that's pretty much what most of the people in the world think about their doctors, you know. They're supposed to know everything. They're supposed to be able to help them. They're supposed to be able to solve their problems. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, you can kind of understand it in a certain way because for so long it's kind of that's that is sort of the way it was, you know. It's like people didn't really know anything about their health and <clears throat> if anything started going wrong that they would go to the doctor. I'm thinking about in like, you know, the Middle Ages or something like that. You know, people didn't really have, you know, there were folk remedies and things like that, but people would go to the the doctor when kind of anything went wrong and they didn't know what the what was going on and would just do what the doctor said. It just is unfortunate that we kind of live in a time now where, um, well, in, on the one hand, it's fortunate because there is a lot of information out there that you could, you know, you can mm-hmm. at this point do your own research and kind of see varying opinions on different things you know look up the side effects of the drug that the doctor wants to put you on look up alternatives that sort of thing um but it's also kind of unfortunate that things have narrowed down so much into this kind of pharmaceutical paradigm where Mm -hmm. you know your doctor in most cases isn't even thinking about you as an individual what you need they're just thinking about what pill matches what um symptom uh you're complaining about and just kind of put them on that. So yeah. it's it's unfortunate that it's kind of become this way, kind of like a like an assembly line of uh, pill dispensing. But um, at least there is, you know, with the rise of the internet, there is a lot of information out there, and people can kind of look into this stuff and and, and kind of come to their own conclusions. Yeah, they have to be willing to do it. Like, well, again, it's work, right? Yeah, I'm amazed at some people that are just seem to be content to not know things and they're walking around with a supercomputer in their pocket. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like how can you, you don't even make the connection that you have all this information right at your fingertips. I mean, at least know the basics. No one says you have to be able to write a thesis on whatever condition you seem to be suffering, from, but at least try and find out something about it. Don't just rely on other people's word. Yeah. People need to take Adderall to get the drive <laughs> to actually do the research on why they shouldn't be taking Adderall. <laughs> well, I guess one of the good things, at least for the drug companies, is that they're making millions and billions of dollars on these drugs. And now they, I think yeah. they had a newer one called Adzinus. Adzinus? Mm. But at any rate, it's a fruit flavored and it's chewable. So it makes it even more more convenient to get your dose of an Adderall-like compound into you. Well, that's just aiming it towards kids, right? Yeah. It's a busy morning trying to get your kids out of the door. You don't have time to, you know, sit there and watch them swallow their pill. Just give them a chewy. Oh, my God. It's like candy, basically. These kids are going to love it. Yeah. Well, speaking of... Of candy. I mean, there's another huge aspect that is overlooked in this whole realm of ADHD. I mean, aside from familial situations, psychosocial situations, there's also diet. Yes. There's been numerous studies about how diet can influence people's behavior 
and this includes the symptoms of ADHD. And one of the things that they found was that food dyes can really mess kids up as far as their concentration and their focus goes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I actually watched a video one time, um, and it was done like a long time ago, like in the 80s. Um, And it was this doctor, I wish I could remember her name, it was Dorothy something or other, but she had figured out that this, that the, like the food dyes and stuff like that were, were making kids go nuts. And they just showed this video where they had a kid who was kind of acting somewhat normal. They fed him some of this food dye and the kid started losing it. Like just having a temper Mm -hmm. tantrum, going crazy and all this other kind of stuff. It was several kids too. It wasn't just kind of one of them. And, Mm -hmm. um, uh, and they said basically like, you know, the doctor would recommend that um, the parent kind of take them all off all processed foods, all kind of sources of these food dyes and stuff. And they would start saying, oh, yeah, my kid is so much better, so much better behaved. It's it's mm-hmm. it was kind of crazy to see like that Jekyll and Hyde kind of uh, thing just induced by, you know, some like a candy or something like that with food coloring in it. Yeah. And what do kids eat before they go to school? Like breakfast soup cereals. Yeah, yeah. Or how do you think they get all the colors and the lucky charms? Yeah. Breakfast cereals are loaded with food dyes, not to mention sugar. Like there was this big debate I remember years ago when I was in college about how sugar doesn't cause kids to become hyperactive. Of course, yeah. if you look at the small print of the study, it's uh, sponsored by some company that is in the sugar industry. Right. Any kinds of junk foods, uh, gluten casing, like we had the show on um, autism mm-hmm. where the, the parents put the kids on like a ketogenic diet and their symptoms improved immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, just imagine what it could do for a kid who has ADHD, like autism. Uh, there is actual biological factors that are causing their disorder. But ADHD, I mean, this is just a set of symptoms or kids who just misbehave, just clean up their diets, no yeah. carb, no sugar, get rid of gluten and casein and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that that would actually go a long way to improving behavior. There's, I mean, there are examples out there too, where school schools will like, you know, ban junk food from their, their schools or something like that. And just report the most amazing turnaround in like behavior. Like the kids just start behaving themselves. It's like, you know, if a kid doesn't have something in their diet that's like, you know, causing them all these kinds of problems and stuff like that, then they don't have a reason necessarily to misbehave. That's not to say, it's not the same thing as drugging them and making them like pathologically obedient, like zombies essentially. But, you know, just if, if you take away the thing that is kind of, stimulating them to misbehave, then they won't really misbehave. I mean, all Mm -hmm. kids are going to misbehave to a certain extent, obviously, you know, like teenagers rebel and kids are always testing boundaries and things like that. So you're not going to get these like perfect kids or something like that. But if you've got something that's exacerbating the situation because it's toxic, essentially, then yeah, Mm -hmm. removing that obviously is going to improve the situation. Mm -hmm. And if all else fails... Let kids be kids. I mean, it is completely yeah. unnatural to sit in a classroom for, what, seven hours a day at least? Mm-hmm. And school days are getting longer. Some schools don't even have summer vacations. They want them to go to school all year long. 
the kids are starting school earlier, like at younger ages, and they're going to preschool before they even start kindergarten. Yeah. That is just too much for a small kid to be sitting there, yeah. expected to sit there all that time and listen to a teacher talk and give them lessons and write stuff on the chalkboard. I mean, that sounds hellish to me. And yeah. I hated school when I was in school. But anyway, that's a different thing. But there was a school in Texas. All they did was they added two 15-minute uh, play sessions. They could let them go out and play for recess two times in the morning for 15 minutes each and two times in the afternoon for 15 minutes each. And the kids' behavior improved dramatically. Yeah. The yeah. test scores improved. Yeah. And all they did was add two 15-minute recess periods. Mm-hmm. It's like, let the kids run around. Let them get that yeah. kind of that pent up energy out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that they were saying that, um, like the teachers were saying they were worried by introducing these uh, extra recesses that they wouldn't have time to kind of get through all the material that they had to get through with the kids. But that they said that it was actually the opposite was true because the kids were now paying attention and were kind of better behaved. They were able to get through a lot more. Yeah. So... Do we have another clip? We do, actually. It's about the side effects of the drugs. So yeah. turning turning kids into zombies is actually like the, the, the wanted effect of the drug. <laughs> but then on top <laughs> of that, there is also the side effects of the drugs. Um, Damien, that clip is under adverse effects of the drugs. There's a 2925. Maybe we can bring that one up. There are so many adverse effects that you have to start wondering if you're doing more harm than good. There's suicidal thought associated with stimulant medications, and there's depression as a secondary result of the stimulant medications. These drugs commonly depress children. There are studies showing that two-thirds of children have some degree of lassitude, apathy, depression. It varies from study to study, but it's very common for amphetamines to depress children. Depression in children doesn't act like uh, adults in that they don't become sad and, and want to lay around. They actually get unfocused and fidgety and poke other kids and uh, they're easily distracted and they don't want to do their work or they rush through their work. And that checks off all the things that you would find in a checklist for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. The problem there is that if you then decide it is an ADHD and treat them with stimulants, since we're going to go through this, try this, try that phase that most doctors use, uh, one of the side effects of stimulants is depression. So then they get a double whammy, they get depression, and then they get more depression. And there's a big, what we call a black box warning on stimulants that says it may cause suicidal thought. And by black box warning, you have a list of side effects, uh, but if they want to put emphasis on any particular side effect, they put it in a black box to give a stimulant to a depressed person where depression is going to compound the idea of possible suicide is another side effect. Dangerous, obviously, side effect. 
I've experienced a lot of kids, mostly teenagers, that have presented to the emergency room with suicide attempts. Almost all the children I've seen with the suicide attempts have been on one or more psychiatric drugs. No child has died from ADHD per se, but there have been many reports of associated deaths related to the uh, rampant abuse of amphetamines. Children have died from amphetamines. Children have suffered multiple side effects which are difficult to handle uh, with uh, multiple drugs being administered because of them, not because of the primary condition that they're in. One has to wonder if uh, we're doing more harm than good by administering these medications. Some of the, the side effects of stimulant medications are uh, trouble sleeping, trouble eating, uh, not being hungry, not gaining weight. The side effects that can be very possible with the psychiatric medications that are being used for the children for ADD and ADHD are insomnia, weight loss, more troubling would be cardiovascular, where the heart goes, becomes enlarged, and as a result of it can lead to heart attacks. The drugs uh, raise blood pressure. They're a risk for cardiovascular arrhythmias and death. Not frequent, but disastrous potentially. One of your first big problems is going to be addiction, because it changes the child's brain. When you want to think about the adverse effects of Ritalin or amphetamine, Think about methamphetamine and cocaine, because they're all in the same class of drug. This drug is, in its basic chemical effect on the brain, basic effect, almost indistinguishable from cocaine and methamphetamine, you can see that long-term it's going to encourage the use of methamphetamine and cocaine. And studies show that children put on Ritalin who have been diagnosed ADHD compared to children diagnosed ADHD and not put on Ritalin, the kids put on Ritalin have a higher rate of cocaine abuse as young adults. That's a fact. It's a very, very good studies that show this. These drugs produce psychosis. The FDA acknowledges a small percentage, but they're actually the good studies that look back at the kids given these drugs, up to 10% of them will have some sort of psychotic-like symptom during their exposure in a routine uh, clinical treatment. Now, what we're finding out from long-term studies is that diagnosing a child with ADHD and putting them on supposedly the milder of the drugs the uh, methylphenidate drugs or, or Ritalin, Concerta, that diagnosing a child with ADHD and putting them on these drugs over a 30-year period produces increased incarceration for criminal behavior, increased mental hospitalization, increased psychiatric drug exposure, increased suicidality, decreased income, and decreased educational achievement. Well, why is that? Well, the folks who do these studies would like to say, oh, that's ADHD. But the kids in the studies had no serious behavioral problems at all to begin with. So what's really going on? What's really going on is that diagnosing a child with ADHD and giving them a stimulant drug is a gateway to a career as a mental patient. And the reason these kids are ending up as adults who have so many terrible problems 
the reason is that the definition of the child as having a mental disorder and the adverse effects the child gets from the drug lead to further psychiatric diagnoses and further drug administration so that by the time the person is in their 40s, they're now on antipsychotic drugs, antidepressant drugs, and benzodiazepines and mood stabilizers. They may not even be on ADHD drugs anymore because they're now viewed as having a serious mental illness. When a medication's not... So there you go. It's tragic. Yeah. Real tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially especially the suicidality thing. Like, that's just... mm -hmm. No medication should be out there on the market that one of the side effects is it it causes suicidal ideation. Like, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, if something causes you to want to commit suicide, that should not be available for for human consumption, especially for kids. I totally agree with that. But there are many drugs, not just ADHD drugs that have that. There's antidepressants. There's that stop smoking drug, Chantix, that does that. This whole pharmaceutical craziness. But I think it's such a shame that like you said, it sets you up for a lifetime of being uh, a mental health patient. Mm-hmm. Like the, just all of the the wasted human capital. The I'm not to call it necessarily a waste of life, but the wasted potential. Mm-hmm. Like, well, how could these people's lives have been if they weren't drugs since they were, you know, in elementary school? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what could they have accomplished? I'm sure that, you know, we've all met people who might not know that they've been, you know, on drugs since they were very young. Just, Mm. I don't know. It's just sad. Just. Yeah, Yeah, I totally agree. And then the more sin, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of, um, I mean, it's not necessarily publicized, like in a lot of cases, but when like, you know, famous actors and singers and things like that, when you hear about suicides and stuff, a lot of times it ends up coming out that that they were on some kind of psychiatric medication of some kind. I don't know if it was necessarily the ADHD ones. In a lot of cases, I mean, probably not, but um, but still, nonetheless. Yeah, so, I don't know. I guess maybe a message to anyone who might be a parent Amongst our audience, you know, I know there's a lot of pressure from doctors and teachers to get your kid to sit still and swallow all the shit they're shoveling in class. Uh, But, you know, do everything possible, everything that you can before turning to medications. I mean, that should be the last thing if you even consider that that should be the last thing that's done it should never be done in my opinion but you know just you know diet what's going on at home male role models some discipline some structure at home uh let them play and get all the wiggles out before they're expected to sit down and concentrate for any period of time there's Amen. lots of things that can be done. I agree. So anyway, unless you have anything else to add, Doug, I guess that can be our show for today. 
Yeah, I think we I think yeah. we've covered it. Yeah, we have a pet health segment. It's about uh, cat barfing. <laughs> <sighs> Take it away, Zoya. Yeah. Welcome to the Pet Health segment of the Objective Health Show. This time we are going to talk about feline vomiting. Yep, there is a prevalent belief that it is normal for cats to vomit on a daily basis. They may have hairballs or they may act as an alarm clock, especially when they try to vomit at 5 a.m. on a very expensive white carpet. In any case, everyday vomiting isn't something normal for cats. So watch this video to learn uh, about possible reasons for that. And don't forget to stay till the end and watch a funny animal video. Have an awesome time everyone and goodbye.
see it. I'm recording now, too. <laughs> That's kind of scary. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, look, they're coming. Oh, God. Look at that. Oh, they're going to attack us next. Oh, please. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Those are actually bigger than they look. Yeah. They... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Go away. Holy crap. <laughs> They're going away. Throw it. Throw it. Oh, it's cute. You hear the little I have no more. I have no more. <laughs> I have no more. Go away. I was sure that guy was going to get like Alfred Hitchcocked at the end. <laughs> yeah, don't feed the ducks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So that's our show for today. We'll be back next week with another show for you. If you like this video, hit the like and subscribe. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody.